I could tell you a ton of stories. There's this guy, Kyle, who's from the Boston area. He's an ultra runner. He's visually impaired. And he comes up and skis with us a couple times a year. And he also runs the um, Vermont 100 Ultra. Oh. He runs it with a guide and, and anyway. Amazing. So he comes up and skis with his family and he has a, a daughter who's, I don't know, 15, 16, 17, somewhere in there. And I'll never forget, you watch him ski and he's out there with his wife and his daughter and our guides and instructors. And he comes in and he's like, the best thing about this is that my daughter sees me skiing. So it, you know, it just opens, it opens the door. There's no limits. There's no boundaries. And I get to ski with her. That's Kim Jackson, Director of Communications and Marketing for Vermont Adaptive Ski and Sports. In this episode, we talked to Kim about exactly what Vermont Adaptive Ski and Sports is. We learned that they help people with any disability and that they are not just a wintertime organization. I'm Justin Cash, and this is The Killington Download. First up is Crystal Clary, Brand Marketing and Communications Manager for Killington Resort. All right, Crystal, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. We are in the middle of the holiday week. There's a lot going on here at Killington. You know, what? what what's next? Oh my gosh. So we're in the middle of all of the kids activities that we have going on at Snowshed. Kids crafts from 4 to 5.30 every day through Friday. And then we have complimentary photos at the peak on Friday from 10 to 2. And then we're rolling right into New Year's Eve, which is crazy. Another new year. I know. And we're going to kick New Year's Eve off with a K-1 family-friendly party. There'll be um, photos, music, mask making. Then we're going to have our groomer parade at 5 p.m., followed by fireworks at 5.30. So this is all up at the new K-1 Lodge? All up at the new K-1 Lodge. Starting at maybe 3 or 4 in the afternoon? It actually starts at 10 a.m. Oh, okay. So some activities and... And then it just powers through, and then we kick right off with the groomer parade. So it's a whole day thing. All day. And then, and then the groomer parade, and then the fireworks. Yes. Fireworks over the new the new base lodge. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. We we did like I guess not a practice run, but we did fireworks in that area for World Cup, and it was just beautiful. What if you're looking for maybe a little more different kind of fun? <laughs> If you left the kids at home, yep. the Wobbly Barn New Year's Eve party, the tickets are on sale now, and the band is called Inside Out. It's just going to be a really great time if you've ever been to the Wobbly Barn on New Year's Eve. Legendary. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it should be a tradition around here. And all of these activities and the Wobbly Barn tickets are available at killington.com backslash events. The Wobbly Barn on New Year's Eve is always fun. Let's look a little bit farther ahead. Let's let's talk January. I can't believe we're saying this. We're, we're looking into January. You know, what's coming up in January? Yeah, so that first Tuesday in January, we're welcoming a special guest to our terrain parks. It could be someone that people will be really excited about. Um, details to come on that. And then coming out later that week, we have our first mini Shred Madness on January 7th. So it's a cute little competition for the Groms. Hold on, wait a second. You dropped a little nugget there. Would this person that may or may not be coming, not, not officially... Would his name perhaps be a color? It is. We'll keep an eye on the website for when that is confirmed either way, but that would be a lot of fun. Um, Crystal, I think we've covered quite a bit. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. See you next time. All right, download listeners. We are very pleased to have Kim Jackson, Director of Communications and Marketing for Vermont Adaptive. Is that correct? 
Vermont Adaptive Ski and Sports. But yes, that is correct. Everybody calls us Vermont Adaptive after the first roll. Okay, Vermont Adaptive. Kim Jackson, thank you for coming on the podcast. Great to be here. It's awesome. awesome. It is awesome. We're recording this in a what looks to be a pretty new building right here at the base of Pico. Uh, Tell us a little bit where, you know, where where are we? Sure. So Vermont Adaptive um, Ski and Sports, we have multiple locations. This is one of them. This is our state headquarters. We are statewide. And this is the Andrea Mead Lawrence Lodge at Pico Mountain. And we are the owners of the first floor of this facility. And then the second floor is owned by the Pico Ski Education Foundation, okay. which is the, the supporting arm of the Pico Ski Club. And we opened this building in 2013. So it's actually, it feels new, but it's not new. <laughs> well, in the, in, the, in the grand scheme of things at Pico, it's, it's, cons- it's considerable. It's absolutely new. Um, but we partnered with um, the Education Foundation to build this. They needed a facility where their athletes from the club could train. And we were desperate for a facility. We were using borrowed space in the Sunshine Room at the, at the you know, base lodge. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we put this together. Took us a couple years. We fund, did some fundraising, but it's a one point three million dollar building. Okay, and there's just room to move. If you're in here, you come into the program room, you check in with our program coordinator, and you have plenty of room to to boot up to get into adaptive equipment. There's a quiet room for folks who have um, sensory needs if they need to just tap out and need you know either a, a touch or quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our statewide offices are here, administration offices. Let's get a little background on you before we get into mm-hmm. what exactly Vermont Adaptive is. Um, are you a Vermont native? Did you ha- how did you end up in Vermont? Most people. No, I'm I've, a transplant. Yeah, yeah. So am I. So am I. Mo- most people are these days. Yeah. So how, how did you end up in the, the Killington area, or, or have you always been in the Killington Pico area? No. So um, I was working in Boston in corporate communications, right in downtown, for a company that owned health clubs. And I just wanted to change, wanted to do something different. And there was an ad back when they actually put ads in the (laughs) help wanted section of the Boston Globe. We won't go back how far (laughs) that is, but we we get it. Um, And it was for a news bureau director at a four season resort. Didn't say where, didn't say what. And I said, I'll I'll apply. And turns out it was Killington. And uh, so I got through a first round of interviews and within three weeks had come up to Killington and was offered a job. So in three weeks, I moved to Killington. And that was in 96. So I've been here a while now. I ended up staying. I My had, poor mother, I told her I'd be back in a few years. And that didn't happen. We, so. we, we had it on the last episode. And we've had it on other episodes. Sometimes it's most people like, oh, just one winner. Exactly. And then yep. the next no. thing you know, no. no. Uh, I gonna- fell in love with Killington. This this area, this community is just awesome. It's amazing. And ended up, you know, I married a Jersey Joe. He's, he was in Burlington, Vermont, and, uh, but originally from New Jersey and we ended up staying. It's a, it's a very common story. And I, I, I live the same story. I know exactly what you're talking about. It, it's more than just the skiing. It's, it's the whole community. And, and it, once you get here, it's very hard to leave. It's very hard. And I think about that sometimes, um, you know, cause I miss the beach. I'm, sure. I definitely feel landlocked sometimes. And, uh, but then I was like, it's the people. And I'm like, I don't want to leave this because the community here, I, I know everybody and we've gone through so many different things with like hurricane Irene and just different community aspects. Everybody knows everybody and that can be good and bad, but, um, it's a special place for sure. 
I can't agree with you more about the community here. It's really something special. And once you get in it, 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 like I said, it's very difficult to leave. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about Vermont Adaptive Ski and Sports. Yep. Um, l- let's go up to 10,000 feet and get the, the bird's eye view, the, 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 the overarching view of what is Vermont Adaptive Ski and Sports. Sure. Uh, we are a statewide nonprofit recognized nationally, and we offer sports and recreation for people with disabilities year-round. A lot of people think we're just skiing, winter sports, but we do everything in the summer from kayaking to mountain biking, hiking, uh, rock climbing, you know, all those fun outdoor sports. And I think the thing that I like to remind people is that we serve folks with any disability. So a lot of organizations might just help folks that have spinal cord injuries. You'll see a lot of people sit skiing in the buckets, and we do everything from the physical disabilities, but also cognitive, developmental, behavioral, intellectual. Runs the gamut. We really don't, it's not that we don't care what your disability is, but we, um, that's the secondary. You know, we like to get to know you, and what are the needs that we need to adapt so that you can go enjoy the mountains like everybody else? So we're, we're here at the base of Pico. But it's, it's just not winter. It's just not ski. Correct. It's all sports. So we go into summertime, too. We, absolutely. We do. Um, we've been doing mountain biking is hot right now, as really? everybody knows. Yep. Well, yes. <laughs> so. yes, yes, it is. <laughs> not right now, <laughs> not right now, because it's snowing. But I don't like those fat, fat bikes. Bike, no, yeah. no, they're silly. It's like riding in sand. You, yeah. get, you get what I'm saying. We, um, so we do actually do a lot of mountain biking here at Killington, and then we do a lot of um, trail mountain biking. And we're on Lake Champlain. We have a huge... Um, program area up in the Burlington Chittenden County especially in the summer and so we're right on Lake Champlain we're on the Burlington bike path we do sailing kayaking canoeing you know anything that you can do from that outdoor recreation standpoint so if if you're statewide that is this can't be the only hub this is not um this is so we were founded in 1987 at Mount Escutney and then eventually made our way over here to Pico and then we have a second um Program location at Sugarbush Resort at Mount Ellen. And then we're also at Bolton Valley. Okay. And we do do some partnership with Saskatina Six. Okay. Over in Woodstock. Yep. Yep. The Six. The Six. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so what, what services do you provide? I, I mean, I, I know you mentioned, you know, most people think of Vermont Adaptive as people skiing in the buckets, mm-hmm. but it, it's a, it's a lot more than that. Like, like what are the services? It is. So a, just think of a typical day. Um, Somebody would come in like you and I and want to ski or snowboard. We'll use winter because that's where we're at right mm-hmm. now. But And prior to that, they've met a reservation just like anything else. Our reservations are for lessons typically. Sometimes it will be just a guide because they don't necessarily need a lesson. could be somebody with a visual impairment who who skis and has some visibility but needs to have like blockers and shadows and that sort of thing around them. But we assess what kind of needs you have, whether it's needing to be in a sit-ski because your mobility is impaired or if it's because you don't have your vision or you just need extra hands to be able to do something. We have different layers of adaptive equipment. So depending on what that need is, the instructors will then figure out what piece of equipment you need. And then it's just like anybody else, going out for a lesson and just having a, having fun. Like how many people walk through the door? Like like. Like how many, like how many people are you helping? So um, I'm going to give you a couple numbers. We don't necessarily do people or participants, okay? Um, because a lot of our participants participate multiple times, either per season or per year. Got it. So 
total number of outings, we call them, okay. lessons, whatever you want to call them. Um, last year, we did just about 4,600, so 4,600 wow. statewide. No kidding. And individual people, that was almost 1,000 people. All right. So, and then we have a bunch of volunteers um, that we couldn't do our programs without. We have about 400 volunteers so, that help so annually. So. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Um, We've re- we've referenced people in a sit ski or or uh, you know visually impaired um, skiers. It's got to be even more than that. There, there's you mentioned a quiet room earlier. Tons. Like, like, so, so, so what, what, what? Who are we talking about here? Honestly, anybody, um, ages three to ninety three. We okay. run the gamut. We do tons of school groups. Um, lots of folks from Rutland County, Chittenden County, um, uh, Washington County, and. We do, um, we have a huge veterans program, so there's a whole separate component for that. We also host events. Um, the first weekend in February is the United States Association of Blind Athletes Winter Festival. So we'll have about 30 folks who are either blind or visually impaired who will be here. So it's even more than just these outings. Absolutely. Uh, you're, you're, you're hosting events for, for people from all over. And camps. We do um, camps for the High Fives Foundation. We mm-hmm. do camps for Kelly Brush Foundation. So it, it really is a mixture of individual lessons, group lessons, which when I say group lessons, it's groups coming in, but they still go out as an individual, okay. um, not like your traditional group lesson. And then specialty camps and, and different things like that. Interesting. Um, you touched on veterans, mm-hmm. uh, and you mentioned that's a separate kind of thing. Like what, what goes on with the veterans? Because so, I, I yeah. think that's amazing. We have, um, we have a... A retired sergeant, um, Misha Pemble Belkin, who is our veterans coordinator, program coordinator, and he solely works with our vets. And um, every, let's see, every Thursday we're at Bolton Valley skiing, every Friday we're at Sugarbush skiing, and then we have rock climbing, ice climbing. Um, we do veterans retreat weekends. We have a special weekend just to honor women veterans. And a lot of vets come back with those invisible disabilities. So it's a lot of PTSD. There are some physical disabilities, but a lot of it is, is definitely the invisible disability. And we just special specialty program with that group. So it's a group of, you know, 10 veterans going out for the day. They develop their own community within Vermont Adaptive. Mm -hmm. So they'll do potluck lunches on their ski days. And it's pretty, it's pretty cool. That's interesting. That's, that that is pretty cool. That's neat. Um, Um, The other thing too, just, just to get it out there too, for anybody who knows somebody who's a vet or you're a vet yourself, all of our programs for veterans are free of charge. So it doesn't matter where, where you're coming from or what you're doing. All of our veterans participate for free. So that's a perfect segue what does this cost? Because this, this room is amazing. Like, like there's a lot going on here. Like how, like someone comes in and, and, you know, wants to learn to ski. What, what, what's the cost? Yep. So uh, the organization itself has about a $1.6 million budget. We do have individual costs for our programs um, in the winter skiing, a full day of lessons, which would be your lesson, your equipment, your lift ticket, specialized equipment, lift Mm -hmm. ticket is $140. So all, all in. All of that. Yep. All in, about 140. Half day, I think, is 95. Okay. But um, part of our mission statement, which has been, you know, 36 years, is we never turn anyone away based on the ability to pay. So we do sliding scale fee, and we do scholarship. We probably do about $100,000 in scholarships annually. Hmm. Um, so, you know, if somebody comes in and they'll 
pay what they can. And if they say, I can't pay that full, we'll say, well, what can you pay? And then we just take it from there. So don't let money stop you. Exactly. Absolutely. A lot of these folks are dealing with huge medical costs. Sure. You know, taking care of, of their medical needs. So we don't want anybody to feel like that there's a financial barrier for them. That segues into where does the money come from? <laughs> like one point, whatever million dollars. Well, if you'd like to donate online, well, yes, we'll get adaptive.org. Yeah. Okay, very good. We're going to re- we'll repeat that a, a couple of times. VermontAdaptive.org. Uh, but yeah, where, where does the money come from? Sure, um, it's a, a combination of, of different things. Um, we do a, a bunch of grant writing, and we do get grants from foundations and, and organizations. Um, we do a ton of individual fundraising, so annually. We have to raise about $410,000 just from individuals like you and me mm-hmm. and businesses. Um, we participate in Giving Tuesday. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I it's have a, not. It's an international day of giving. It's always the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. Okay. And it was created, I think it's 14 years ago now, to kind of counteract Black Friday. Oh, Okay, yeah. I have, yes, yep. yes, so I have heard of this. Friday, yep. Cyber, yep. Yep. or local sun, Saturday, Cyber Monday, yep. Giving Tuesday. So we participate in that, and this year we raised $200,000 no from that alone. So we our fiscal year runs November to the following October. So we head into, if we have a great Giving Tuesday, and then we have, everybody likes to give at the end of the year, it's the holiday mm-hmm. spirit, that sort of thing. We head into our year actually in really good financial shape, which allows us to do those scholarships. It allows us to buy more of the adaptive equipment. Um, an adaptive ski, like a sit ski we've been talking about, can run anywhere from five to $7,000. Well, this so. podcast <laughs> is dropping before the end of the year. Do a good deed. Go to vermontadaptive.org and contribute. I can say firsthand, it is absolutely amazing up here and they're doing amazing work. So it you know, you're, you're talking about these events that you host and, 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 and so much going on. You, you must collab with some other, you know, state agencies and other, other people along the way. Like it just can't be you guys, right? We do. I mean, we, we are putting our programs out there as an entity, as an organization. And then we do, like I had mentioned before with Kelly Brush Foundation, with the High Five Foundation, we do a lot of work with the Vermont State Parks. Um, okay. You know, making sure that their locations are accessible so that we can, we and others um, can use those parks and get into them. Um, the U.S. Forest Service, we've been doing a lot of advocacy work with them and assessing trail work and, and what needs to be done to make things accessible. Uh, Vermont Department of Tourism. So there, there's a bunch of different different organizations and agencies that they, you know, Diversity, equity, inclusion is yep. is a is a hot topic right now, sure. and we've been doing it for thirty six years. Okay. <laughs> so we don't think of it that way, but we're excited that people are finally talking about it, and it allows us to jump into that conversation. You know, really being able to give people resources. What is like one of the coolest things you've seen? Like, I have to imagine someone who is is trying to overcome a disability or or, or something along those lines, and like. They come in, they've never skied, and, and, you know, an instructor takes them out and gets them going skiing. Like, that must be awesome. Like, There are so many stories, and I think that's what Vermont, you know, we talked about community way back at the beginning, and Vermont Adaptive, it, it's community. It, it really is. And I, I could tell you a ton of stories. There's this guy, Kyle, who's from the Boston area. He's an ultra runner. He's visually impaired, and he comes up and skis with us a couple times a year. 
and he also runs the um, Vermont 100 Ultra oh. Ultra Run. Oh, I, I've with co- a guide. I've covered that. Yeah, so. and, and covering it was enough. I, <laughs> exactly. I don't certainly don't want to run it. Yeah, let alone if you have a visual impairment. Yeah, oh gosh, you know? so forget it's, it. It's he runs it with a guide, and and anyway, amazing. So he comes up and skis with his family, and he has a, a daughter who's I don't know, 15, 16, 17, somewhere in there. And I'll never forget. You watch him ski, and he's out there with his wife and his daughter and our guides and instructors, and he comes in, and he's like, the best thing about this is that my daughter sees me skiing. So it, you know, it just opens, it opens the door. There's no limits. There's no boundaries. And I get to ski with her. So it's little stories like that. Another story, a friend of mine. Um, Keep them coming. Yeah. <laughs> another a friend of mine. And this this happened years before I even worked at Vermont Adaptive. Um, her son was born with a chromosome disorder. Mm-hmm. And when he was 18 months old, he was told, the mom was told she, he'd never walk. He'd never be out of a wheelchair. He'd never be able to do anything. And now, today, he's 21. He rips on a, <laughs> on a mountain bike. He skis. You know, he's graduating ah. high school. And so that, to me, is like, you, you just don't take no. Because anything is adaptable. Anything. And then one more, two guys that came up a couple years ago, and they've been coming up now ever since from Washington, D.C., both are wheelchair users, and deep in the woods on Sherburn Trails on adaptive mountain bikes. And they turn around to one of my coworkers, Jeff, and they say, I haven't been this deep in the woods since I couldn't walk or since, you know, since my accident. And it's just it's moments like that where you're like, yeah, we can get you there, you know, uh, and, and it's trying to get that word out to people that you can ski with your friends and family. You can bike with your friends and family, go hiking, whatever. You just have to adapt. And how, how are you getting the word out? I mean, how do people hear about you guys? Like, cause it, you're doing amazing work. And that last story, you know, gave me chills. Like I, it's so awesome to get out in the woods. I, yeah. A lot of us who live up here in, in Vermont, that's, that's why we're here. How do people find out? I mean, what do you do? It's your typical traditional marketing routes. It's nothing, not rocket science. Obviously, a lot of it's word of mouth. We do work with a lot of hospitals and rehab centers and um, OTs, you know, occupational therapists, Mm -hmm. physical therapists um, for referrals and things like that. And then it's your your basics, social media. We Mm -hmm. have an email newsletter that goes out every two weeks. Um, we do videos. We're actually working on some videos with the Department of Tourism here cool. in Vermont. So, you know, it, it's really the, the traditional things that you'd think where you where you see things and then a little more niche when we need to yeah. really offer specific, specific programs. programs. Yeah. That, that's interesting. So VermontAdaptive.org has all the information and it has the one, you know, vital information that's to contribute and uh, donate to the program. I, I would imagine every little bit helps. Absolutely. Every penny counts. Always does. It's an amazing program. Uh, I highly recommend if you happen to be at Pico, come on over and just take a look. Just just pop in, say hi. Um, I think you'll be wowed. Uh, amazing work being done here. Kim Jackson, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy day. Thank you very much for informing us about everything Vermont Adaptive. VermontAdaptive.org is the site. Go contribute before the end of the year. Donate before the end of the year. Every penny is needed and is going to an amazing cause. Kim Jackson, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. We finish up every podcast talking to Mike Salamano, President General Manager of Killington and Pico Resorts. Mike, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Bear recently opened 
we weren't sure if it was going to open Saturday, Friday, you know, it, it might have been delayed a day because we had some, you know, less than ideal weather. Talk to me, like, how does that process go? Like, who decides, like, you know, you know, people looking at it might say there's a ton of snow. Why aren't they open? Like, what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, so there's a bunch of strategy going on that we don't always explain. So I'll try to do a little bit of it now. But, you know, we were going to open bear. Um, we could have got it open on Thursday, on Friday, right? But the storm was coming in on Friday. And, you know, we were trying to do a bunch of things to try to preserve snow. So our, our main strategy was we said, you know what, let's wait and let the rain actually soak into the trail and not groom it and not make it set up because it's going to, you know, the temps are forecasted to drop from mid forties to below zero. So that's never good for um, anything, especially when it's raining. So there's just a bunch of things we're doing, trying to prepare for that, that might seem abnormal. You know, the other thing we were trying to do is we had started going down toward great Eastern, you know, down to Skyship. That was going to be our next move. We started making snow there and then we started seeing how bad the forecast was and we actually flipped and went back to trails that we thought we could save. Uh, you know, if you're getting one to two inches of rain or even some are calling for three inches of rain, I mean, there's not going to be a lot of trails left. So we went back and said, let's not go make snow on places we haven't made snow. Let's go back and kind of fortify the ones that we have so we don't lose everything. That's That was the plan. So the strategy is to just reinforce certain areas so that people will have a good product to ski when they're here, even, 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 even though it, you know, it rained, it, it's still going to be amazing out there. Yeah. I mean, I think there's always a, you know, if we had just gotten snow and no rain was coming in, we would have kept expanding and skied some of the trails natural and then gone back as we have time to make snow on those. So we can expand and, you know, kind of use, utilize all the, as many trails as we can. But once we realize that we're going to lose all the natural trails and we might lose some of the trails we made snow on because some, you know, sometimes we make snow, push it around and it's good enough for now, knowing we have to go back. And those are the trails that we want to make sure, especially if they're like a connector trail, like Great Northern or something, you, you really can't lose that. Sure, sure. And just out of curiosity, what's the long term you know, say, I hate to use the word forecast, but for, for say, getting down to Route 4 in Great Eastern. No, that's still a priority. We need to do that for Christmas week. So we're going to make a push down there. I mean, it somewhat is, depends on how we end up, you know, after the storm and really reassess the trails, we got to figure out where we're at and then where to go next. But great, you know, all the way down Great Eastern to Skyship, it's important for parking and having another base lodge and handling the capacity. And then, you know, then we start filling in again, you know, so I think our typical strategy is once we've gotten the trails good that we're, we're, we're on, you know, then you go back to the trails like, okay, do you make snow on Timberline? Do you make snow on Highline, Cascade, some of those type of trails? We haven't made snow on Needle's Eye, right? So that type of thing, just a lot of those choices. I, I was skiing the other day and I noticed that Needle's Eye was just all bumped up. You, you would you would think maybe you'd get a groomer on that. Yeah, it's interesting. I think people probably wonder. There's a lot of trails like that. Upper shoots the same way. You know, what happens is when we get uh, a trail like that open and bumped up, without we haven't made any snow on that trail, it's really hard to put a groomer on it. It'll pretty much ruin the trail. The groomer is going to push it right down to dirt, and it'll start okay. kicking rocks up. Interesting. So that it, it's it's not it's not a practice of we just don't want to groom it. It's if we do it becomes almost unskiable. Yeah, we always ski, like those two examples, Upper Chute and Needle's Eye are the perfect examples. We would normally almost always groom those. Needle's Eye, sometimes we leave half ungroomed, right? But right now we groom it, um, you know, just so everyone's clear, before, while the storm was happening, we actually went out and groomed 
Um, and we call it packing the snow down, both at Killington and Pico, especially on the flatter trails, trying to preserve as much snow. I mean, sometimes we get a big dump, and this time it was a little heavier, which was helpful for us, but sometimes it's fluffy, and we want to early season try to save the snow and try to get it packed down a little bit so then when we make snow on it, we can get the trail open earlier. You said something there. You know, I always wondered, um, when a storm comes in really heavy and wet like this last one did, and everybody says, well, it's good base snow, is that factually correct? Yeah, it actually is really helpful. One thing is that, you know, the problem is, you know, sometimes when it's really light and fluffy, people love to ski in it, but, you know, they go right through the, right to the base. So, you know, I think a lot of people probably went in the woods and figured out that maybe they shouldn't have this trip, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and this was a heavy snow, so you can imagine, but no, it's really helpful for us. The other thing is it doesn't, you know, we had high winds, right? So typically every time we get a storm, we get high winds and it blows a lot of the snow off the trail. So then people are saying, you didn't get that amount of snow, you know, because it blows all over the place. So sometimes for us, we want to try to track it in if we can to try to keep it. This this last storm, the, the snow wasn't blowing anywhere. No, that was one of the advantages, <laughs> yes, right? Yes. Although the top of Pico, interesting, we couldn't get the top of Pico open because the top was completely wind scoured. Oh, and really? We, and we hadn't made snow up there. So, you know, it's crazy. People are skiing in like waist high, you know, powder over yep. on a bunch of the trails. And then they're like, why don't you have the top open? And, <laughs> you know, and I was asking the same question, but, you know, there's like literally there was no snow at the top. Now, that peak is pretty exposed. And I imagine 40, 50 mile an hour winds, even, even, you know, that'll move that. Even that concrete. Was yeah, moving. yeah. 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 Even that heavy c- cement was moving. Um, that's a good segue into play forever. Um, Killington has a, uh, a, they made a corporate responsibility commitment in 2022 to give back to the local community through the play forever initiative. Can you talk to us about that? What is play forever? Yeah. I mean, there's two pieces. There's the environmental piece and then there's the piece of taking care of our community. And I think we've been in the beginning when play forever rolled out within powder, it was mostly about the environment and we've been doing all sorts of things from cow power to electric charging to solar. And I think we've done a lot of different pieces there. And then, You know, I think we started some of it, not saying we started this exactly, but as we started doing the food giveaways during COVID and a lot of that, and and I think then it kind of morphed within powder that, hey, we should, you know, have a a piece that ties in to the community. And so I think the the food giveaway was kind of the first foray for us into that, uh, feeding our staff and our community in kind of time of need. And then, you know, since then, we have a formal program now we're allocating a percent of revenue to to these type of things and actually giving cash, you know, historically we've given tons of like, say Vermont adaptive, right. We give free, a free ticket to people who participate, which is, you know, it's a big commitment. It's a lot of money, but historically we've only done, you know, trade like that. And now the new thing is we're actually able to, you know, give cash donations, which we've been doing a lot in the community of Rutland, Woodstock, Killington. And, and that's really great. Yeah. I mean, some of the, you say Vermont adaptive, we, we just had Kim Jackson on uh, from Vermont Adaptive Ski and Sports. Um, it, you know, some of the other beneficiaries, I should say, uh, Vermont Ski and Ride Museum, Sherburne Memorial Library, Change the World Kids, Mount Holly Parent Teachers Student Association, Vermont Youth Conservation Corps, the list goes on and on. Um, so it, Play Forever, people might think, is an environmental initiative, but it's, it's also a local community initiative. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the best parts of, you know, being part of Powder. I think the locals probably realize that, you know, and if you're going to have a parent company, Powder is one of the better ones because, you know, they do give us a lot of flexibility to run the resort. They also want us to, you know, kind of be tied into the fabric of the community and do the right thing for the community. So I think that really fits to that. You know, we gave money towards the playground for, 
you know, the elementary school. There's just a lot of those type of things where we can, you know, historically we've given like, you know, skiing to kids and things like that, that is something we have, um, right, that we can kind of offer. But but now we've really expanded it to, you know, in cash giving as well, which has had a really big impact. Sure, sure. It must have, you know, all those all those organizations I, I just rambled off, that it, it has to have a huge impact. Yeah, no, we've we've seen it. So, I mean, it, I think especially, you know, trying to even do some things in Rutland and in Woodstock and some of the surrounding communities, not just Killington proper, which has been good. I think historically we've been working to try to build a, you know, a better region, right, and help the group in Rutland. Historically, we have, you know, been siloed from Killington and Rutland, and, and I think we're working more and more together. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, all along the Route 4 corridor makes makes sense, you know. You know, people just don't live in Killington. They live in Rutland, Pittsfield, Woodstock, you know, all, all they come from all around to, to work right, here. Right, and a lot, that's where a lot of our staff are, right? So yep. we're trying to help this, help the communities where our staff are. A question from one of our listeners. What's up with the yurt? Are, are, is it open now? Yeah, so the, the yurt, you know, a couple of things with COVID, you know, kind of taught us that some of these small areas like, um, you know, the motor room bar, people loved it. But the problem was... You know, we needed three or four staff to go put on something for eight or ten people, right? And we need three or four staff in another place that might be able to do enough work for hundreds, right? So economies of scale weren't great. So it's just got complicated, especially as we've had staffing challenges over the years of looking at some of these businesses and going, okay, we're not impacting enough people, right? Sure. I mean, we have 50 staff, say, working in K-1, we can handle thousands of people, it's not a really great use of our staff. We're a little too big to sometimes handle the really small operations. So anyway, with that said, we're going to still do the yurt uh, at, at lunchtime, but the dinner operation with the sleigh and everything else was very complicated. And you know, there's really no way to make money. Right? Yeah. And we weren't really trying to make money on those things, but it just took a ton of resources, right? Like we have to take a groomer off a grooming shift to go drive people around, you know, to the, to the yurt and, it just got complicated and, you know, we'll see. I'm not saying we won't bring that back, but we, I think by moving the year to a place where you can have lunch, a lot of people do get to use it. And I think that's worked pretty well. I think this particular listener was just looking for the lunch component. He, he enjoys his, you know, Saturday afternoon ski and have a, have a sit down, great, great experience and then ski a little bit more. Right. Yeah. No, that we'll be doing that this season. Cool. Awesome. He, he will be happy to hear that. Mike Salamana, thank you again for taking a little bit of time out of your busy day leading into the holidays and in the holidays, and we'll talk in a couple of weeks. Sounds great. Thank you to Crystal, Kim, and Mike for joining me on the Killington Download Podcast. If you have a particular guest you'd like us to interview, drop that name in the comments section. Also, if you've been enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and review. It helps out a bunch. As always, make sure to follow Killington on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I have links to all that and the Killington app in the show notes below. I'm Justin Cash. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you at The Beast.